Okay. It's working. Um, all right. So we're going to continue our series, Wisdom for the Home, studying Proverbs. Uh, and, and the last thing today, avoiding trouble at home, is uh, kind of an interesting one. Most of you know that um, I post all of our lessons as well as any others that I do out on our sermonaudio.com website. Well, a few weeks ago, the week I missed, I actually was speaking at a retreat, and we went through the book of Revelation, um, the whole book, in one weekend. Well, this past Thursday, I actually finished editing all nine of those lessons and posted the whole series out on SermonAudio.com. Um, one of the things that the website does for me is it tracks the most, how many times each lesson is downloaded. It, it tracks a lot of other things, but one of the things I'm most interested in is what are people listening to? Well, currently we have, I think, between 40 and 50 different messages that are posted out there. The one that has been downloaded and listened to the most is one I did during our series on biblical conflict resolution on forgiveness. It has already been downloaded over 100, uh, or viewed over 130 times, and 75 different times people have actually downloaded it. But it was interesting to me that during this retreat, I actually did a short 20-minute presentation of the gospel entitled, How I Know I'm Going to Heaven. I posted that a couple of weeks ago. Within two days, it was the most, the second most listened to lesson that I had out there. And I've had some of them out there for three and a half months. When I posted this message on Revelation, within 24 hours, the lesson I did out of Revelation chapter 4 entitled The Rapture was the third most listened to lesson within 24 hours. Right now, the three top listened to messages that I have out there are number one, forgiveness. Number two now is the rapture. And number three is how I know I'm going to heaven. Stop and think about that. The three most listened to messages in that order. Forgiveness, the rapture, and how I know I'm going to heaven. Now what does that tell you about what's going on in the hearts and the lives of people today? A lot. So when we come to our lesson today, and we talk about avoiding trouble at home. Home is just where some of the trouble is. We live in a world today that's full of trouble, that's full of all kinds of problems. The last thing we need to do is add to that in our own homes by being miserable at home. So what we're going to do is we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 11. Look with me at verse 29, and then we're going to go back to a verse that we actually started with a couple weeks ago. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 29. The Bible says, He who brings trouble on his own family will inherit only wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise. He who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind. Now, let's stop for a second. What does that mean? Well, first of all, the word trouble here is the Hebrew word that means to stir up resentment, to bring about hatred, or to bring a curse upon your family. 
Now, we're going to go back in just a minute. We're going to take a look at that. But I want you to notice the first principle in avoiding trouble at home. Everyone in the home has a responsibility here. Everybody. Mom, dad, the kids. Everybody within the family unit has a responsibility to make sure they are not the culprit that is bringing trouble to the home. Because the Bible says, whoever brings trouble to his family will inherit the wind. Just as a side, like that phrase, inherit the wind, means emptiness. In other words, if I bring trouble to my family, I'm going to create a life for me and a life for our family that is full of emptiness. You know why people commit suicide? Because their hearts and their lives are empty. They see no purpose and no reason to continue living. They're empty. That's the idea here. Now, you and I know full well we don't want to be the kind of person that causes that to happen to our family. Okay, so how do we avoid that? What do we do, according to the book of Proverbs, to avoid bringing trouble to our family? All right, I want you to take your Bible now, and I want you to go back to Proverbs chapter 3. Because this is where we started a few weeks ago. And I, I want to read you a verse here. Relative to the meaning of the word trouble in Proverbs 11:29. Remember, the word trouble means to bring about resentment, to bring hatred, to bring a curse. So look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3. Or actually chapter 3 and verse 33. Sorry. Chapter 3, verse 33. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. Well, the word trouble, one of the things it meant was, if I trouble my, bring trouble to my own family, is it means I bring a curse. Well, according to Proverbs 3.33, God puts a curse on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. Well, if bringing trouble to my home means, among other things, to bring a curse to my own family, and that's what the Lord says he does to the wicked home, then evidently the most practical explanation of all this is, how do I live within my home so that we are characterized as a righteous home and not a wicked home? Because chapter 3 and verse 33 says, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. So the way to avoid trouble is to make sure that you and I are doing within our home whatever God describes as a righteous home. So what I've done is I've gone through the book of Proverbs and I've tried to pull out all the principles that God used in the book of Proverbs that describe what a righteous home looks like. So that's what we're going to go through. And there's about 13 of them. So <clears throat> you've got the study notes, so you don't have to worry about remembering all of them. But one of the things that I had put in your study guide for your, uh, your uh, personal meditation this week is I've actually put every one of these verses... So that throughout the next six days in your personal devotions, if you use this, I want you to go back and read through every one of them again and meditate and think about each one of these 13 things. Okay? So let's just start. And if you've got your Bible, we're going to be flipping to a bunch of verses. But I want you to go with me. And let's start with Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 9. Okay? Proverbs 9, verse number 9. What does the home of the righteous, which God says He blesses, and this kind of home avoids trouble, what does it look like? Number one, Proverbs 9 and verse 9. Instruct a wise man 
and he will be yet wiser, or be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. So first of all, what is a, a righteous home that's blessed by God? What does it look like? It's a home that has people in it that are teachable. They're teachable. You know, the truth of the matter is, none of us have arrived. We're not perfect husbands. We're not perfect wives. We're not perfect daddies. We're not perfect mothers. And the truth is, we never will be. We constantly have to learn. Pride will destroy us. And the person who's not teachable is the person who is full of pride. You know, part of being instructed is also being corrected when I'm doing it the wrong way. And a lot of times, we don't like that. We don't like to be told, I'm wrong. The righteous home is a home where the members of it are teachable. You know as well as I do, nine out of ten times, I would almost bet, when you have arguments with your spouse, it's over who's right about something. That's it. Well, I say we ought to do it this way. She says we ought to do it that way, and so we argue about it. Now, you tell me, is that scenario bringing peace to the family or trouble? Trouble. That's why the series we just went through on how to solve conflict is so important. You're going to have those conflicts. You're never going to agree on everything. So when you don't agree, how do you deal with it? Well, we just spent nine weeks talking about how to do that. So that's why it's important that you learn how to do that. And part of that is being teachable. Okay? So first of all, how do you avoid trouble? you got to get rid of the pride and be teachable. Be willing to learn and change. Number two, go with me to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 3. Proverbs 10 verse 3. The Bible says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. I want you to notice, by the way, as we read through these, the number of times that God, when he uses these characteristics, describes them as a characteristic of someone who is wise or who is righteous. That's the kind of person that is referred to in Proverbs 3 and verse 33 when the Bible says the Lord blesses the home of the righteous or the wise person. So that's why we're pulling these out, because it's characteristics assigned to the righteous or this wise person. Well, in this particular verse it says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. So what is this principle? How do I avoid trouble in my home? I trust God to provide for us. Now, I will be honest, this is one of the ones that I really, 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 really have to work on. I am a worry wart sometimes. I'm a worry wart a lot of the time. Especially when you're a man and you feel responsible for your home and you know all these things that you've got to pay for and take care of. It's easy to allow the anxiety about all this stuff to bring trouble in your home. <laughs> you know the two most common reasons why people divorce? Money and sex. Just to put it blunt, it's those two things. Those two items in life destroy more marriages than anything else. So, I have to learn to trust God to take care of me. Now, I've given you some other verses here. Chapter 11, verse 28. Chapter 13, verse 25. We won't read all those. But in your devotions this week, um, I put them in your study guide. I want you to read those. All these verses talk about the fact 
that God will take care of us. So how do I avoid trouble in my home? I've got to learn to trust God to take care of us. And by the way, along with that comes another very important principle. We don't have time to talk about it right now. By the way, in some of our other lessons in this series, we will discuss this a little more. But in trusting God to to provide for me, that also brings with it the need for another character trait called contentment. You know, it's interesting. Will actually mentioned it in his testimony. We're not getting rich, but we're satisfied. Satisfied is a relative term. Satisfied is a relative term that each of us determined the meaning of. If satisfied to me is a $400,000 house with two $30,000 cars and name brand clothes, then I'm going to have big trouble in life. If satisfied to me is a wonderful wife, healthy children, God-fearing family, a roof over my head, clothes on my back and food in my mouth, then life will be a whole lot easier. The problem is in our society, most people, that is not satisfied. Most people, it's keeping up with the Joneses. And you know as well as I do, when you get in that mode, all kinds of trouble can come into your home. It opens doors for all kinds of problems. Okay? So, how do I avoid trouble? I trust God to provide my needs. And in that, I learn to be content with what He provides. Okay, number three. Chapter 10, verse number 11. We're just kind of going straight through the book. Chapter 10, verse 11. And I will um, share this with you before we read this verse. You'll notice there are a lot of verses in Proverbs that deal with this particular topic. As a matter of fact, this one particular topic and a couple down have the most verses. This one is one that uh, may be a difficult one for most of us. It is for me a lot of times. Chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Hey, what is this principle? This principle is show wisdom in your words. Let me just give you real quick some, some practical examples of how to apply this. In your home, when you and your spouse disagree, how would you describe your conversation at that moment? Would it be considerate of the other? Would it be slightly elevated in volume? Would it be extremely elevated in volume? Or would it be extremely elevated in volume filled with sarcastic remarks? As the level goes up, the trouble gets worse. You know, one of the things we've learned to do in America today is we've learned how to cut people's throat with our tongue through sarcasm. Now, I'm I'm just going to share with you a pet peeve of mine. Take it for what it's worth. Whatever. You know what that is? To me, that is a comment of sarcasm. How many of you, when you're in a conversation with somebody and they look at you and say, whatever, think they're saying, oh, I really value what you're saying? Not really. Now, that's just a little simple example. But wisdom with our words, notice it. It's one of the characteristics that God addresses the most in the book. Our mouth can bring more trouble to our life and our home 
than anything else. But if you study the book of James, you realize it is the hardest part of our life to control. So God's not saying you need to do this, and most people are well capable of doing this. No, God's saying you need to do this, but it's probably going to be one of the hardest things you ever battle with. Okay? So it takes work. It, it's not easy. I will be the first one to tell you, being the quiet, seldom-talking individual that I am, I really struggle with it sometimes, especially if I'm tired and I'm angry. You don't want to be around me if I'm tired and angry. I'm just human. I struggle with this. But it can bring all kinds of problems in the home. So it's an area we really got to work on. Number four, work hard and be content. We talked about the contentment part. Look at chapter 10, verse 16. The wages of the righteous bring them life, but the income of the wicked brings them punishment. Notice the verse didn't say anything about the amount of the wages or the income. The Bible just says the wages of the righteous bring them life. Why? Because they're content with it and they're earning it the right way. They treat it the right way. They manage it the way God says to and they don't let money manage them. However, the Bible says that the income of the wicked brings them punishment. Either because they don't manage it right or they love it more than they ought to or they get it the wrong way or whatever the reason. And maybe it's just that they're not content. So, how do I avoid trouble in my home? Work hard. Work the way you're supposed to. I mean, don't be lazy. We, we didn't have time to go through the book of Proverbs and talk about all the verses that talk about being lazy. But you've got to work hard. God never promised that the Christian life was going to be funded by welfare. You've got to work. However, work, do your best, enjoy your work, and be satisfied with whatever God gives us. It will help us avoid trouble in our home. Next, pursue what God says is right. Now, I, I want to spend a couple minutes on this because this is very, very important. Look at chapter 10 and verse 29. The way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous, but it's the ruin of those who do evil. The way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous. What does that mean? Okay, let, let's break it apart here. The way of the Lord. What is that? Well, very simply, it is the way God intends for you and I to live. The way He intends for us to act. The way He intends for us to talk. The way He intends for us to treat each other. It's the way God intends for us to live. And the Bible says the way of the Lord is a refuge to the righteous. You know what that means? You know what a refuge is? Among the Jewish nation, they actually had a city of refuge. It was where criminals could go or people who were being pursued by their enemies could go and be safe. It was a place where they could relax. They didn't have to worry about problems in the enemy. The way of the Lord is that place for the righteous. That means that when I know I'm doing what God has told me to do, I can relax. I don't have to worry about the enemy destroying my life. Because I know God's never going to tell me to do anything that's going to hurt me. But you know, in our society today, the world has painted a picture that is just the opposite. 
that if you live your life the way God intends for you to live it, you're going to be poor, you're going to be miserable, you're never going to have any friends, you're going to live this life of a recluse that never has fun. But is that it? I mean, is that the way Christians really live? Of course not. So the way of the Lord is a refuge to the righteous. You don't know how to avoid trouble in our homes? Make sure that everything we do and every decision we make and everything that goes on inside our home is the way God intends for it to happen. Now, again, that's not always easy to do, but it's always right. Okay? Next, number, uh, letter F, be kind. This is one of my favorite verses in all the book of Proverbs, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 10. The Bible says, a righteous man, here it is, the word righteous, describing this person, a righteous man cares for the needs of his animal, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. Now, first of all, let me say this. This doesn't mean that every child of God has to be a head-over-heels animal lover. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the way a righteous person treats the needs and the life and the space of anything. Question, who created the animals? God did. It is part of God's creation. Do you know people that are cruel to animals or treat them like they're non-existent? Sure you do. Now, is an animal a human being? No. And I, I hate to tell you, but animals don't have souls, and there's not doggy heaven. I got two dogs I wish there was, but there ain't. When they die, they die. I'm not looking forward to the day my two dogs die, because there's going to be a huge void in our family. We love our dogs. They're part of our family. But when they die, they die. They, they don't have a soul. They don't go to heaven. Okay. <coughs> However, how I treat them doesn't say how much I love animals. How I treat them says how much I respect what God has created. That's what the verse is talking about. True kindness. Let me tell you this. Somebody that will kick an animal will also kick you. It's an attitude. It's got nothing to do with the object of the attitude. It's the attitude. So, <coughs> let's come around and pull that into our homes. How do we treat people in our homes? How do we treat each other? Are we kind or do we kick each other? How do you avoid trouble in your home? Be kind. Next, guard your friendships. Look at chapter 12, verse 26. <coughs> Excuse me. Chapter 12, verse 26. A righteous man, here's our word again, is cautious in friendship. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. One of the things that I've heard recently that is a drawback to Facebook, and, and I, I'm a Facebook fan, I use it, I think it's a great tool uh, if used properly, but that's true about anything in life, okay? So I, I, I would not sit here and tell you that Facebook and social media and all, this is of the devil. No, it's not. It's just like a TV set. Television is not of the devil. TVs don't sin. Social media doesn't sin. People do. 
Televisions hurt you depending upon how you use it. Same with Facebook or anything else. It's how you use it. Some people use it as a whipping post to slander everybody. Some people use it to gossip. Some people use it because they ain't got nobody to talk to, so they just pretend they're talking to the whole world. Okay? Just got up. Two minutes later, going to the bathroom. Going to work. Okay? Now, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. You know? However, however, one of the drawbacks to it recently has been that it is starting to cause trouble in marriages. Because people are now reconnecting with old flings from years ago and beginning actual emotional affairs through Facebook. You better be careful. Satan is not an idiot. He's very smart. So what does this mean? The Bible says, be cautious in your friendships. You remember when you were a teenager? How your parents and your, the adults, especially around church, they always preached about and warned you about the kind of friends you have. Well, the Bible clearly says that evil company will corrupt good manners. Evil friends will hurt you. Do you know that doesn't go away just because you turn 20 and you're not a teenager anymore? You know that continues to happen throughout life. We all need to be cautious about our friends. Are our friends making us more like Christ or less? Do our friends encourage us to walk with God and grow spiritually or not? Are they pulling us backwards? You know, it's the same way with dating. How many of you, have, when, when you first started dating people, you liked somebody that wasn't a Christian, and your mom and dad warned you about dating somebody that wasn't a Christian, and your response was, yeah, but I can win them to the Lord. They're a ministry. I got a doctrinal word for that. Hogwash. That ain't why you're dating them. You're dating them because you're attracted to them. And you don't care about their spiritual condition. I did it. We all do that. We need to be careful about our friendships. And I will tell you that there is trouble in a lot of homes because of friendships. Let me ask you one question. We'll move on to the next one real quick. Who should be, other than the Lord... And you're married. Who should be your best friend in life? Your spouse. Period. No exception. Your spouse. Let me tell you what happens a lot of times. One or the other ends up getting a best friend. Same sex or opposite sex. Opposite sex, you're really in trouble. But even same sex, guys, we got best, we got buddies we want to hang out with. You need, there's a little barometer. When you start making decisions, giving your buddies priority over your wife or ladies, vice versa, giving the girls priority over your husband, then you got trouble creeping into your home. And you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. Now, does that mean you can't ever do something with the guys? Does that mean, ladies, you can't ever go out with the girls? No. As a matter of fact, that's healthy. You ought to do that. But not at the expense of of making that a priority over your spouse. So that's what the Bible talks about, in a nutshell, when it talks about be cautious of your friendships. Okay, Even good friends can start to take the wrong place of priority in our life. doesn't mean they're bad. It just means I'm treating that friendship the wrong way, and you better be careful. Somebody says, well, but, you know, 
Before I got married, we were just all real good friends. There's a key phrase there. Before you got married. You're married now. Everything changes. Okay? All right, let's keep going. Ah, next, depend on God in times of trouble. Chapter 14, verse 32. We've got to hurry. When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down, but even in death the righteous have a refuge. The most important thing in life is to remember God is in control, and He loves us no matter what. He's not going to let anything happen in our life that's not for our good. So what God is saying here is that a righteous home, even in your home, in times of trouble, together lean on the Lord and don't let that, that trouble or that adversity tear your home apart and cause trouble, okay? Next, pray. I know this sounds kind of simplistic, but look at chapter 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. Remember, He blesses the home of the righteous. The righteous pray. Now, I just challenge you, think about two aspects of prayer. Your own personal prayer life and the times you pray with your family. Both of those are very important, okay? But it's another way to avoid trouble in your home. Next, give unselfishly. Look at chapter 21, verse number 18. Chapter 21, verse 18. The wicked become a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. Now, what is the Bible talking about here? Well, when the Bible talks about um, the wicked becoming a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright, if you back up a little bit, um, look at verse number 17. He who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich. What is he talking about? This is talking about lust or envy or cravings for material things. doesn't mean it's wrong to have them. It just means it's wrong to make that priorities in our life. And a righteous man gives. He doesn't worry about that. And we could go through the Bible and talk about hundreds of verses and talk about giving. You talk to any very successful businessman, and eight out of ten of them will tell you the key to their success is how much they give away, not how much they make. In talking about the characteristics of being a successful business person, one of the top priorities will be giving stuff away or giving back. That doesn't always mean that they're Christians and are giving to the Lord, but they'll tell you giving is a huge part of success. And you know, in our homes, it's the same way. When we're more concerned about how much we can give than how much we can get, you avoid a lot of trouble in your home. Okay? Let's keep going. Um, next, chapter 23. Look at verse 24. Chapter 23 and verse 24. Teach your children to live for God. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. May your father and mother be glad. May she... Who gave you birth rejoice. <coughs> my son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. Real quick question. How do we get godly children? Well, they have to be taught. They don't just happen. But notice what God says will happen in your home. There's rejoicing and gladness when your children grow up and they fear and serve God. Okay? So teach your children to live for God. You'll avoid all kinds of problems in your home as far as trouble. And let me tell you, none of you have teenagers, I'm assuming, yet. <clears throat> One day you will. If you have children, you will. I've had tons of them. And I will promise you, 
if you teach your children to live for God, when they become teenagers especially, you will avoid a lot of trouble. If you don't, you better hold on. Okay? All right. Uh, next. Two more and we'll be done. Forgive and always keep following the Lord. Chapter 24 and verse 16. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. You are going to make mistakes in your home. We all do. A righteous man in his home learns to forgive. And remember in our series on how to solve conflict, this was a key. Learning to forgive and deal with unforgiveness. You learn to forgive and you just keep going. Don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. You're, you and I, we're all going to have trouble in our home. We're, we're learning how to hopefully avoid most of it. But you're not going to avoid all of it. You're going to have some problems. If we deal with it correctly, then we just get up and we keep going. Don't ever quit. <laughs> in marriage, that's spelled divorce. Don't do that. I promise you, on the authority of God's Word... And from my own experience, you don't want to ever go through that in your life, ever. There is nothing worth going through that. I promise you. That's what the verse talks about. A righteous man falls. We all do. Seven times. But he gets up and he keeps going again. Don't quit. And then the last one, don't envy sinners. Chapter 23, look at verse number 17. The Bible says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. You know, it's so easy a lot of times, especially in our homes, you start to look at other homes and other couples and what they have and what they're doing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're terrible people. But we have to be careful about envying those who don't live for God. But you also have to be careful about envying others who have things materially maybe, that we don't have. And when that becomes a driving force in your life, it causes trouble in your home. And it'll cause trouble in anybody's home. Quite often, my family, especially if you talk to them, they will tell you that I am constantly, when they start talking about all that stuff, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. Please don't ever misunderstand me. That's not wrong. But they'll constantly... They'll let you know, I don't care about the tag on my clothes. I don't care what kind of car I drive. I, I don't care about that stuff. Yeah, but what will people think if you drive an old beat-up car? I don't care. I just don't care what they think. You know. Now, I care what they think when it comes to my testimony for Christ. But that's about where it stops. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you think I'm great because I have a big house or I don't. I don't care if you go around and tell everybody, do you know he wears jeans from Goodwill? There's a lot of stuff in my wardrobe that came from Goodwill. It's cheap. And it works. And it don't kill my budget. I don't care. You'll avoid a lot of trouble in your home. If you battle and win the victory over envying other people, especially sinners. Okay? Now, I apologize that this was so fast and so much stuff. That's why I gave you the notes. Okay? But what I've tried to do is go through the book of Proverbs and find those things that God says this describes a righteous home. It's a lot to work on. 
Living a Christian life is not snapping our finger tomorrow, everything's great. We've got to work on it, but we need to know what to work on. I would recommend, and you'll see it in the uh, personal application section, that I've actually, one of the questions is, what is the trouble that you are currently experiencing within your home? Which of these things do you think you could work on that might help with that? So focus on one or two. Work on those first, and then work on the other. Don't try and eat the whole elephant all at once, because you'll never be able to do it. What will happen is you'll get discouraged, and then we don't work on any of them. So keep your list, and whenever trouble starts to come into your home, grab your list and go down the list and find out which one of these things is causing the trouble, and just work on it. Okay? Father, thank you for your word. We need it. Thank you for the instruction it gives us. Help us, Lord, to avoid trouble in our home by simply doing what you tell us to do. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.